0: in my living room in Kentfield, do you remember that?
1: I was gonna mention
0: it. He came to teach yeah. in my living room in Kentfield. We met, that's 33 years ago, we were young, you know? Uh, <laughs> and from there, we both went on to a lot of meditation and a lot of teaching together, a lot of practice together, our families grew up together. We've known each other quite intimately and loved each other a lot for a lot of years. and. Um, I want to say about this book that I think only James could have written it. Mm-hmm. And it is the book that was waiting for James to write it. Because um, I, I remember we had a conversation a long time ago. We were saying among your teachers, among the people who shaped you were Neem Crowley, Baba, and Ram Das and the Beatles. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure if you brought your guitar. Did you actually I bring did. it? I oh yeah, did. <laughs> she, she asked me, I just was following orders. That's yeah, it. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and somebody had mm. to do it. <laughs> and you are exactly the right person mm. to do that. So there you go. It's yours. Mm.
1: <coughs> well, um, it's so wonderful to be here. Uh, and it's so, for me, so appropriate that this is the, the kickoff for whatever journey starts to unfold, uh, being here with you uh, as I think back to being in your living room in Kenfield with uh, you and Seymour and uh, Jacqueline Schwartz Jacqueline and, Schwartz. and uh, maybe one other person was there and, and I had just moved to the Bay Area and uh, There wasn't really a a Dharma scene to to speak of but I when I came into your living room I said, oh, there is a Dharma scene here. How wonderful. This is it. (laughs) And uh, and so all of these years going through everything that we have together and um, And still traveling this path and helping uh, being part of Spirit Rock and uh, Going through it, it's amazing we're still here doing this. And that we, um, being here with you, uh, as, as I was thinking about it, I, I mentioned to, to Sylvia last night, I spoke on the phone, uh, I called her up and uh, we spoke a little bit, how of, of all the teachers, you have always been um, the one that was, it's been most simpatico with uh, the way I see life, that somehow we have both discovered, a, a hit upon the secret that's no secret, that if you keep on looking for goodness, you'll find it and and draw it to you. And what better way to live your life? And this is something that we've... Always shared, and so it's a real honor and uh, just deeply touching to start this whole thing out in your your community. Um, I love you, Sylvia.
0: I love you, James. I really do. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you might want to know that um, when we talk about James amongst us, as um, yeah. oops, I was giving it over to you, but no, I, I, I have it. Give over? You know, know,
1: keep it on. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> as you know, I'm not such a give over. Uh, I, 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 yeah, this is uh, the in room. I mean, there's lots of in stuff. It's Bert Rock, but one of the in things is whenever everybody talks about James, everybody says he's the nicest person in the world. <laughs> he's just the nicest person in the world. He's the best sharer in the whole world. Honestly, if you say to James, James, I'm teaching a retreat, an invitation to teach a retreat, great place, wonderful, do you want to go and teach with me? He says, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Who should we invite? <laughs> he invites everybody in. <laughs> he is the biggest sharer in the whole world. He's the best team player in the whole world. Of all of us, you're the best team player. You really are. Mm-hmm. There are. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's the such. best something, Thanks. you're the best yeah. team player. <laughs>
1: I like to play, uh, <laughs> especially when there's good people to choose from on the team. And uh, I'm also just thinking uh, another thought r- going through my head when we we taught at uh, Hollyhock many years ago. Uh, this is before Sylvia was Sylvia Borstein <laughs> when she was just my friend Sylvia, uh, and uh, we were we were. Um, we were talking. I remember walking with you, be, just as the retreat was starting, and just we were both kind of so excited and um, uh, both on fire with with delight and and life and teaching, and uh, and we said, "Oh, let's write a book together." Do you remember that? I do. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do. <laughs> let's write a book together. And I I never quite got it together. And Sylvia, in the meantime, wrote like, you know, 18 books and and became world renowned. Well, she really took the ball and ran with that. So to finally say, oh, I've written a book too. It's like, oh, I'm not going to try to catch up, but it's just, uh, there. we had planted the seed in, in, in that conversation. And, uh, it bore its own fruit in its own time. I remember we talked about titles, you remember that? We yeah. Titles. Well, one other uh, well, yeah. one, one <laughs> other thing, when I first was getting the idea of, of writing this book, um, actually it had gone through a number of progressions. I started writing uh, just before 9/11. Believe it or not, uh, writing about joy, and then 9/11 hit, and it was like for a year I couldn't even think about joy. Come with joy, give me. A, are you kidding? Uh, so it's been its own natural progression. But somewhere along the line, as I was, uh, I think the proposal was coming together, and Sylvia and I were were, were teaching, and she said, um, "Well, do you have a title for for the book?" Do you remember this? I do. I that felt <laughs> really bad. <laughs> and Sylvia had just submitted her, had, had gotten her contract, I think, had submitted her proposal and got got her contract. And and I didn't know anything about her book, but I said, yeah, I do. I think I'm going to call it For Goodness Sake. Oh. <laughs> and from no. from this joyful smile uh, that I was I was looking at all of a sudden her her she said you can't use that one (laughs) and then she showed me she had it in her hand she said here is it says pay attention for goodness sake I said oh my goodness I felt so bad I really (laughs) felt bad I felt really bad so we really it it, it was just an indication we really are on the same wavelength because uh, we just uh, do love goodness um, so uh let's see so in the in the time together mm, i thought we could do a, a few things I, I thought could talk a little bit about um about the book and uh, maybe how it came to be uh read a uh, I, I, this will be my first book reading, okay, so I, I'm, at least formally, I have my, my group in Berkeley every now and then, I, I do read something, but, uh, but not from my book, um, and um, a, a, an excerpt about Sylvia. Sylvia's throughout the whole book, so I thought I'd, I'd, I'd read uh, a, a passage uh, that I love uh, about her, and um, that we could uh, do, um, do an exercise or two together, which is really, um, the words are just pointing to actually practicing, putting into practice the, these principles, and then have an open discussion. And I, I said to Sylvia, you know, that we're doing this together, so any time you've got something to say, please chime in, and if, if any of you have something to say, it doesn't have to be a... Uh, a, a lecture, um, but I'll will talk a little bit about about the book and and uh, how it came to be. Um, oh, and uh, by the way, as I as I think about it, there's an interview in uh, in the new Spirit Rock newsletter. Anybody read that the interview? That oh, good. So then I won't I won't be be redundant yet. But uh, but in the interview, I, I mentioned some things. Um, in there, that just bear uh, giving a context. Um, so I got into practice in 1974, uh, formal practice, and saved my life. You know, I just I was in a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and uh, and when I first met Joseph Goldstein in that. Uh, first uh, summer in, uh, Bol- at uh, Naropa Institute in Boulder, Colorado, and I came home, and he said, there's a way to not be completely run by your neurotic thoughts, which had never occurred to me before <laughs> as a possibility. And I really believed him because there was something about him that... Uh, it was more than the words. It was his way of being, saying, oh, this is really possible. And he didn't look so different from me. He sounded like he was from Brooklyn and I was from Queens, and uh, he was just a couple of years older than me. He's actually from the Catskills. uh, uh, And I said, well, if he could do it, I could do it. Maybe. He was saying that I could do it. And I just (laughs) dove in and into practice. And for quite some time, Um, I was not only incredibly grateful, but felt like I was blessed and had seen a way to open the heart and uh, to feel true happiness. Then for a while, I got into a very serious phase with practice. Dead serious. (laughs) And in fact, um, I um, kind of misinterpreted some of the teachings. This can sometimes happen, where um, I mixed up the end of suffering with the end of living. And that I, uh, my natural way is a, is a kind of celebration of life. And somehow I had um, taken on some beliefs... That um, you know that that's not very Buddhist, like Sylvie was saying at the at the beginning a little while ago, and I went into this uh, serious period for for some time, and uh, when I woke up from it, um, this is all the time practicing. I didn't, hadn't realized that I was in that space, but but when I had when I woke up from it, which. A, a little, a, took a little took a number of instances and one key turning point was being with uh, Punjaji in, in Lucknow uh, that was in 1990 um, I came back to my my natural joy and I wanted to see where what had I where had I gone wrong what did the Buddha the Buddha was called the happy one and joy is a a divine abode, one of the factors of, of enlightenment. You know. And the, the Dalai Lama says the purpose of life is to be happy. There's ha- happiness is, is what it's all about. And the Buddha said, go for the highest happiness and you'll get all the other happinesses. But where had I gone wrong so I had gotten so serious? And in fact, just I think this might be in the, uh, the interview, but uh, I'll just mention it when we were with Punjaji. Uh, who was this amazing spirit? Um, amazing, and both uh, both Sylvia and, and I th- were were deeply affected. And it, at the and as were many people who came to, to visit him. And at the end of my my stay there, I was there for about three weeks. I think you had just left. I um, I don't think you were there for the this particular exchange at the end. Um, where um, Punjaji would talk about emptiness all the time, you know, emptiness, emptiness, and he, and he just radiated this natural joy. And I said at the end, hey, um, I, he thought I had asked all my questions because each time he said, do you have any more questions? I said, we'll, we'll have a f- give me all your questions, all your questions, more of your questions. It was still a small scene. It actually mushroomed into this really large scene just shortly after that. But there we're just a few people in, uh, at, at that point. So I had a chance to ask all my questions. I said, okay, I've got one last question for you. Um, when you, when Buddhists talk about emptiness, uh, there's this real solemnity real seriousness profound the profound emptiness when you talk about emptiness you're laughing and giggling and shining and radiating how come your emptiness is so much more fun than than, than, than ours so um, he he said, he gave a beautiful answer. This is all on video, by the way. I brought my video camera. Uh, and uh, every now and then, I, I, you should, I should show that to you. Uh, <laughs> our, our time in Punjabi you're in there um, in some of the video. And he said, you know, if you're... He wasn't a Buddhist meditator. He's an Advaita teacher uh, in the Ramana Maharshi lineage. And he said, if you touch something really profound in the stillness of meditation you can get deceived into thinking that that stillness and that silence is, how, is the best way, is the real way to touch emptiness. And that anything other than the stillness is a kind of illusion and, uh, and, and, and deception but this isn't so and he said my my emptiness rejects nothing nothing is rejected so there's tears of joy and tears of sorrow and confusion and laughter you know nothing rejected everything belongs in my emptiness you know and he's laughing and laughing you know <laughs> and it reminded me of something really deep within me that i new to be true, which is, as Sylvia was saying, everything is part of life. And if you're just going for the very serious, quiet stillness, you're, you're not including the whole show, and I, my way is to include the whole show and celebrate the amazement of it all, the 10,000 joys, the 10,000 sorrows, the curriculum that we're here to learn of our pain of learning to be with that and of opening up to all the the beauty and the goodness in life. When I, that was one of a number of things that brought me back, Uh, but when I started to then come back to uh, my natural joy, I started to look at the teachings and, as I said, see what they had, what the Buddha really had to say about happiness. And uh, I, I won't go through the whole progression of the development, but in, um, uh, as I looked at the teachings, uh, three things stood out for me that I uh, not only wanted to write about, but decided to do a, um, uh, do a course on, just to test some theories. Uh, And and in fact, by the way, I'll I'll just mention, there's uh, the the book is based on this course, Awakening Joy, that Sylvia is a a speaker at. There's all kinds of incredible speakers. um, And there's a course that's coming up. Uh, It's a 10-month course. It starts the end of this month or the beginning of next month if you do it online. And I invite you to... I brought these uh, brochures. And actually, I should have a... I wonder if there's a piece of paper. If you want to be informed of more information, you could write down your email. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, uh, we'll contact you. And uh, just a little aside. So it, there is a suggested donation, but um, people can offer whatever they want. Uh, for it, I don't want anyone to be turned away from the from the online course. The the and there's some scholarships in the live in the live course. And uh, we've just the Tuesday section is filled is just about filled, and we just opened up a Wednesday <coughs> section. There's anyway, a
0: lot of people. that's so exciting.
1: So and that so that so I started to do this course. And how, how many any people have done the course here? Okay. Oh, great. So um, just to test the theories, actually I started it with with my group in in Berkeley just saying, okay, we're going to just do some practices over the next few months, Uh, and and I want to give credit to a book, How We Choose to Be Happy, which was a a very key one in in giving a perspective on on these teachings written by my two friends, Rick Foster and Greg Hicks, who also are speakers at the course. Um, And uh, I said, we're going to just try these. I want to give a series of talks, what the Buddha said about happiness, and more than just uh, be entertained. I want us to practice it over the course of the next few months. Let's just see. And we all became happier and happier. (laughs) Well, that's cool. This stuff actually works. And then, we, I, I put it into um, into a formal uh, course uh, a couple of years later, and then um, then the, the book became. First, the, the the course was just to see about the theories, but the the course um, grew and became uh, successful beyond my wildest dreams. The book became about the course, and because I was getting all of this information from from people, and, and now as I think there's, there's like seven thousand people who've gone through this course, and and it, it really it works if you want if you do it with your intention there. So there's three principles that I put together from the from the teachings that um, the course is based on and the book is based on. So here's a little bit of Buddha Dharma. Um, first principle, the Buddha says. Um, in wise effort, his teaching on wise effort, you've probably heard that, right effort or wise effort. Wise effort doesn't just mean um, to, to go into, uh, the, to be in the moment with, uh, with mindfulness and presence. That's one aspect of wise effort. But the more formal definition of wise effort is um, Guarding against unwholesome states uh, who, that haven't arisen. Don't put yourself in temptation's way or in harm's way or things that will trip you off and, and, uh, and make you lose your center and clarity. Overcoming unwholesome states when they're here. You know, if you're sad, how do you work with that? Or if you're confused or angry, how do you work with that in a skillful way? And then the two positives on this wise effort, developing wholesome states that haven't yet arisen. So we do loving kindness or we practice generosity or we practice mindfulness um, to develop those states of well-being, wholesome states. And also maintain and increase wholesome states once they're here. He says that's a very good thing when you're feeling, and a wholesome state means a state of well-being that leads to happiness. An unwholesome state is a state that leads to suffering, not that you're being bad by having an unwholesome state. It's like, oh, this, this doesn't feel good, and you can feel the contraction when you're, uh, when you're not feeling good. You know, you don't have to be a Buddhist, any kind of deep, profound meditator to know, oh, this feels lousy. Well, to see, you don't want to cultivate those states, like anger, greed, uh, confusion, things like that. But they're part of being human. So it's not that you're, you know, you're in the clear just saying, okay, I won't do those. They're, they're part of being human. But you don't want to cultivate and develop them. Uh, you do want to cultivate these states of well-being that are expansive like kindness and generosity and equanimity and caring and um, um, patience and all of these things that expand us and open our hearts and we can see more clearly and mindfulness. And, he, and so to cultivate those wholesome states is a very good thing and so that's one principle. Second teaching that I happen to stumble across. Not a very, it's not a well-known teaching. Actually, I was just flipping through the Majima Nikaya, this collection of 152 uh, suttas, many of which I knew fairly well. But one, this one, which is from Sutta 99, if you're a scholar, um, if you want to look it up, uh, leaped out at the pages of uh, one day. This is a number of years ago. The Buddha is talking about equipments of mind that are good tools for your toolkit, and he says, um, and he says, there are certain activities that create that develop wholesome states, and when you have that wholesome state to really tune into it. He gives the example the, in the sutta. He says, for instance, if you're in the middle of a generous act, you should say to yourself I'm being generous right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kinda interesting. The first time I read it, I said, well, well, that could be a big ego trip, right? <laughs> you know? But he's not saying, hey, Check it out. Everybody see how generous I am? Or taking ownership. Aren't I such a wonderful person for being so generous? He's not saying take ownership of it. He's saying let yourself feel how good it feels for generosity to move through you. And he says as you reflect on that saying, oh, I'm being generous right now, there's a gladness, an uplift that comes with that act. And he says, "That gladness connected with the wholesome, is an equipment actually, before he goes that gladness connected with the wholesome, um, glad opens the heart. one delights in the meaning, one uh, delights in the truth, And that gladness is an equipment of mind that overcomes all ill-will and hostility. So there it was, he's saying, oh, pay attention to that gladness. It's right there in the middle of a random act of kindness or uh, a, a, a moment where you just stop and connect and appreciate that you're alive. Really tune into it. The more you tune into it, that's the best way to maintain and increase the wholesome states. So it was kind of like I just connected a couple of dots that, it, that hadn't been clear to me before. So I reasoned that if we could focus on certain wholesome states and wholesome themes, and there are ten themes and ten steps in the book, that followed a particular sequence that made sense to me, and we keep on tuning into the wholesomeness of of the state, that we start to shift our default setting in our hearts and our minds. And so that's the second. First, develop and increase wholesome states. Second, tune into the gladness associated with them when they arise. And the third is this other discourse, it's in it's Majjama 19, if you're interested, where the Buddha says um, that uh, whatever the practitioner frequently thinks and ponders upon, that will become the inclination of their mind. If you frequently think and ponder upon how life is a drag, that's, how, that's the lens that you'll see things through. That becomes your habit of, of mind. If you frequently think and ponder upon how you know everybody around you is a jerk, you'll notice that, have a lot of evidence corroborating, corroborating it, and start to see through that filter. If you frequently think and ponder upon how blessed it is, how how amazing it is to be alive then that becomes the inclination of your mind or frequently think and ponder upon the goodness that's right there in the people around you if you just take a look you will not only see it but you actually draw it out of them that's a whole other aspect that uh, that, that's a cornerstone of of my uh, approach to life so you start to shift your default setting and in fact Neuroscience bears this out. In the book, uh, as I taught, I wanted to gather all the, uh, a lot of the current neuroscience that confirms this. There's a, a, the famous line in neuroscience that says, neurons that fire together, wire together. You keep on wiring those, uh, those, those neural pathways, and that becomes what the Buddha called the inclination of your mind you're practicing it. That's why we call this stuff practice. So if over a number, a period of time, you cultivate wholesome states, are there present for the gladness connected with them, and start to incline your mind in that way, um, you'll notice a difference. And, um, And it works if you do it just like and this is just basically what I've done in the book is present the Buddha's teachings but shh you know, no I say that it's, it's no, no secret where it's from but this is trying to be in as accessible way so that for people who are practitioners it makes sense and also for people who aren't um, my, the editors at, at Bantam said do you have to mention the Buddha every page you know, okay. uh-huh. Do you have to mention meditation retreat every other story? You know, can you just kind of soften it? And, and I, you know, I said at one point I, I quoted Jesus, and she said, "Hallelujah!" You know, so, more Jesus, more these, more Rabbi Nachman, more of this, more that, and more neuroscience. So it's presented. In, in a way, and, and it, I'm glad that she did that, to, to make it so that anybody can do this. You don't have to be a Buddhist to, to do this. Um, so, uh, but presenting it, plus with supportive practices, because I believe, besides what the Buddha said, things like singing, uplifts Your Spirit, that's always been a big one for me, or using your body, or finding ways to nourish yourself, not as a self-indulgence, but as a way to recharge yourself so you have more energy for life, and that you're learning to take care of yourself as an act of love, and it's a great model for everybody else. We don't need everybody running around with their chicken, like a chicken without a head, burning themselves out and saying, this is the way to do it. Um, So, anyway, I'm gonna gonna, um, uh, just briefly say a few, a couple more words and then, then read uh, about Sylvia and, uh, and then we can do a couple of exercises together. So the, the first um, theme is the intention to be happy, which is not always in the forefront in people's minds, but we all want to be happy. Anybody who doesn't want to be happy here? Now if your hand is one is saying, "Oh, well, yeah, sometimes I don't want to be happy." well, that's your way of being happy, you know? <laughs> well, whatever turns you on, okay. But there's a part in all of us that really wants to be happy. And it's accessing that part and giving it life and seeing where does happiness really lie, and then making the decision, to put happiness at the center of your life, a real, a true happiness that's not based on the next thing that you get but on these states of well-being. And once you make that decision, it's just like in the, the Eightfold Path, wise understanding then leads to wise intention. Wise thought or right thought is sometimes also called wise intention where you see, okay, this is how it works and I'm going for it. And once you make that intention and have that decision to, make, to do your part without the timetable but just to face in that direction, everything follows from that. So that's the first um, wholesome state and theme. And then the second one is mindfulness, which is the basic tool for a joyful life, being present for your life. In many ways, as the Buddha said, it's the best way to overcome ill will and hostility and pain and anxiety, sorrow and lamentation, and realize the highest happiness. So we look at mindfulness as both a way to interrupt the confusion and also to, when you are present for your wholesome states and you don't miss them, they get amplified, which I go into in the book, how I, I saw this with, with my own experience. So mindfulness, then we go into um, cultivating gratitude, a grateful heart and uh, is a joyful heart. And out of that gratitude, that creates a big enough container to hold all your sorrows because the next theme is learning to open up to all the pain and the sorrows without being overwhelmed and actually seeing it as a pathway to joy, which the Buddha has a a beautiful teaching on how suffering leads to faith, leads to gladness, leads to joy and the higher happinesses. So the gratitude opens the space to hold the suffering. Then there's other themes like integrity, the bliss of blamelessness, as the Buddha talked about, the joy of letting go, not and there, there's I'm just going to mention these, and then there's the joy, how important it is to learn to love yourself as a key component in this, and then as you more and more, along with learning to love yourself, learning to connect with others and, and truly feel that connection in loving others, which includes forgiveness, And love and mudita, sympathetic joy and play, Mm -hmm. and then there's the caring heart, and finally um, the joy of simply being. But um, so uh, you'll you'll have to either get the book or look at the course to go into more detail. But what I wanted to do—this is my copy—was to uh, read to you a passage um, about Sylvia. Uh, about in the mindfulness chapter, because I thought this could be both about the mindfulness and, uh, and also uh, Sylvia, and it would be quite um, uh, appropriate. So I'll read this section just as a... No, I'll just go from here. Okay. <clears throat> this is in the section uh, on the chapter on mindfulness, choosing thoughts that lead to joy. We have little control over what thoughts arise in any particular moment. If we did, we would probably have only thoughts of love and goodwill towards all humanity. But a few others seem to slip through. We have profound thoughts, bizarre thoughts, and ugly thoughts. Seeing some of what goes on in our mind, the fears, the pettiness, the judgments, can be humbling. I once heard a Tibetan Buddhist teacher playfully refer to looking at what's going on in our minds as one insult after another. <laughs> or as a common saying goes, self-knowledge is usually bad news. <laughs> but actually, it's very good news. While what arises in our mind is somewhat random and out of our control, we do, we do have control over which thoughts we choose to dwell on. By training ourselves to pay attention to what is happening in our mind and body in any situation, we make it more likely that we will empower those thoughts that support our well-being. At one Awakening Joy class, meditation teacher Sylvia Borstein told a story about how becoming aware of what she was thinking helped reframe an experience. One evening, when she was staying in New York City, she had arranged to meet a friend for a theater theater performance and decided to take a bus to get there. As the bus crept along through the heavy traffic, Sylvia started worrying. I'm going to be late. I'll miss the curtain. My friend will worry about what happened to me. I shouldn't have taken the bus. The subway would have been so much faster. Figuring she could walk faster than the bus was going, Sylvia got off. And of course, as I'm walking, the bus passes me by And now I'm thinking I should have taken a cab (laughs) Sylvia has been meditating for years But she has also, by her own admission, been fretting for years So it was an easy reaction to fall into Continuing her story, she describes running down Broadway In high heels, with a cold wind whipping around her And then all of a sudden I have the thought, what am I doing? I'm grumbling. That's a moment of mindfulness. Up until then, I was caught up in a habit-driven narrative, an editorial comment about what was happening. The moment at which the mind says, Sylvia, you're grumbling, the lens switches. And suddenly the truth of that moment is, I'm a 71-year-old woman running down Broadway in the middle of winter in high heels. That is far out. (laughs) That is an extremely fortunate thing to be able to do. (laughs) It changed everything. I felt proud, and I actually hoped a lot of people saw me. (laughs) When we are mindful, we can let go of thoughts that undermine our well-being and thereby frame our experience in a way that invites more ease. As Sylvia puts it, a moment of mindfulness is always a moment of freedom. We can have the courage to make choices that result in positive difference for ourselves and others. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you, tell that st- you tell that story very well. And I thought, <laughs> just to tell you, just a complete, com- you know, complete candor requires me to say, ah, now it's in a book, and people are gonna know forever and ever how vain I was. <laughs> It's true, though you know that
1: I think vanity is the last, anyway, of the fetters to go. <laughs> but you're you're so unpretentious about it; you're just real. It's something that uh, that's it, as much endearing as as anything. Who so. isn't?
0: But th- this, by the way, I looked in the book. This is the first time I'm seeing it this morning. It's really beautiful. You know, I really saw it. Brilliant. I saw it in the, the in galleys. the in the galleys. But this, they really did a beautiful job yeah. on and it.
1: Sylvia wrote one of the best. It, blurbs, There's lots of blurbs, uh, and, but the, it's not just. Oh yes, this is a nice book. Nice book. They're really heartfelt. Uh, and Sylvia is one of my favorites. Although they took out the middle line, if I can, because out of because of space. And if I can remember it, uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase it. Every page of this wonderful book has something that inspires faith or confidence. A new story. A memorable quote. An exercise that invites participation. And then the the, the line. One rarely. Uses the word. I know. Uh, for for a practice book, one rarely uses the word page turner, but this a is a page turner. From from beginning to end, it is a joy to read. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, they made a mistake yeah. taking out uh, that page turner. You and also Joe and Joseph uh, wrote a beautiful one. They took out his beautiful line. In this beautiful and heartwarming book Barras and Alexander take us on a journey that truly awakens joy and then he says something like uh this, there are stories that bring tears to the eyes and uh and warm the heart um, blah 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 uh, it, this is a loving wise and compassionate testament what is possible for each of us highly recommended and i told joseph they took out the line brings tears to the, to the eyes and he said well, I don't say that very often. It's not true. So those, I, I have to kind of say those. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's very
0: important because actually the book is very dear, and uh, uh, and it's high. It's high. It really is enjoyable. That now this is. Not, I don't want to say my you know, my father said never make a comparison. All comparisons are invidious, but the truth is that practice books aren't usually that totally exciting. You, you read along, you read along, you read along, and it's got some good stories, and then it says, do this exercise, and you don't read it. You slip over to the <laughs> next page, because the exercise is usually boring. <laughs> but, <laughs> isn't that true? But they're not. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that exercise, but it's so you look for the next good part, you know? Mm-hmm. But actually the whole book is a good part it's a very <laughs> good book it's a very good book I think it's going to be widely really enjoyed outside of the Buddha's context because everybody is trying to be happy and frantically and you know and we've got everything yeah. that you know we've materialized ourselves up to everything and people are really getting it yeah. that doesn't work yeah. something else has got to work.
1: Yeah. What, what we did, and by the way, I, I co-wrote this with my dear friend Shoshana Alexander, who's one of my oldest uh, Dharma friends. Met her on my second retreat in Toledo, uh, Washington, <clears throat> the same retreat that Seymour was on in 1976, um, and um, and she's gifted a gifted uh, writer and, and deep wisdom, and has helped birth. Um, Sharon Salzberg's book on faith, Tara's Tara Brock's book Radical Acceptance, she had a major role in in bringing those books to life, some of Wes's books, Wes Nisker's books and uh, she was the one who encouraged me to to write the book and I said you you, you know you got to do it with me and and I wrote down I would do the first draft and, and base it on what I teach in the course and then we'd go back and forth and kind of weaving it and crafting it and and, um, and she um, you know it wouldn't be the book it is without her so um, we took um, the the exercises or exercises that I do in the course and we I'd, I'd make up and she would make up some too uh, other exercises um, and also a lot. There's boxes for the exercises and sidebars for neuroscience and other wisdom uh, teachings. And then there's throughout the book are stories from people who've done the course. Um, we had to get over a hundred permission uh, signings, and uh, and then there's quotes from people who would answer surveys on the course. So there's uh, throughout there's there's quotes that kind of are about the topics at hand. So it's kind of easy to, it's not dense, it's just kind of like um, e- easy, to, easy to read in, in chunks. So I thought that maybe um, do a couple of practices and, um, and you get a sense of it. And uh, what's that? Be sure we have time for singing. Oh, and oh, time for singing. OK. So one vi- here's a very simple practice. This one won't, won't take very long. Right, I forgot about the same thanks. Just do a simple gratitude practice. That's a very easy way to access an open heart. And particularly now at the beginning of the year where we can uh, just reflect on our lives and what we we have and what we have to be grateful for. So um, just close your eyes. This would be both the gratitude practice and also showing how mindfulness can amplify, you know, not guaranteed, but often can amplify your experience. So first bring to mind somebody that you're grateful to or something in gr- life that you're grateful for. Some blessing in your life. And as you do, have an image that can sometimes help you access more directly of that person or that situation. And as you see that person or that situation, just give thanks in your heart. Thank you. Let yourself feel it. As you're getting in touch with it, become aware of the landscape of gratitude. How does it feel? What does it feel like in your body or your mind? Just relax. Bring someone else to mind, or some other blessing. And again, have an image, have a picture in your mind, how wonderful. Once again, give thanks directly to that person or to life. Thank you. Once again, let your awareness just sink into the feeling, how good it feels to have a grateful heart. Once, one last time, can't overdo our blessings. Someone else or something else, we're so fortunate, no matter what's going on in our life, we're so fortunate just to be alive, let alone the people that we know or the things that we can experience. And have an image. You can connect with it. Once again, give thanks. Thank you. Let yourself feel it. Okay, and then when you like, you can gently open your eyes. Stay connected to that openness of heart, or wherever you're at. So it's not anything new, it's just uh, all it takes is a few moments of stopping and really connecting with it, as it says in the brain science, and Rick Hansen, who, who does a lot of the neuroscience days here, uh, and who's also a speaker at the, at the course, um, talks about how if you just savor it for a moment and take in the good, it's a much deeper impression in your, in your brain not just having the idea, oh, I'm feeling good, but to feel what it's like to feel good in your body, to really let the visceral experience uh, register and to know in your mind, oh, this is how it feels like. And the more you do that, you kind of have your your radar out for those feelings. It becomes more and more on your dial uh, and gratitude is a very uh, helpful practice. Doing daily gratitude practice, and there's lots of other things that that you can do around that. But just you start to look for the goodness around you, and let it register as a profound effect. So maybe I'll just I'll stop here. I, I don't <laughs> think we'll have time for the other exercise. And if, first, we'll just see if there's a. Any any comments? Any questions I want to or? do a
0: testimonial about that gratitude. First of all, I think it's it's such clear <laughs> dharma about if the mind is disposed to say thank you, then it's in it's in that mode. It it can't be at the same time uh, aversive. You can't be like uh, expansive. Thank you, thank you. And at the same time, er, er, aversive. it's like driving your car and forward and reverse at the same time. Right. It doesn't go. It right. just doesn't go. So that mm-hmm. if you can get your mind to be this way, if there is resentment or aversion in your mind, it pushes it out of it. It's mm-hmm. m- magic. And I have got the, you know personal testimonial. It was three or four years ago that we were sitting up there mm-hmm. at yeah, night. Right, right, right. And Jane said...
1: My uh, wife, Jane, has big...
0: Well, it was during the February retreat and somebody Jane said, or you said my Jane has for years been having a daily gratitude practice on the email with a friend. Every single day they write a gratitude. And I looked across the room at my friend Carol Wilson. And I said, You wanna do that? And it just I didn't even say, I just looked at her. She said, Yeah and we're doing that still. And it's a fabulous thing which doesn't mean that every single day you know I'm you know grateful for the you know early croissant or the early uh, <laughs> bulbs blooming in in California there but the way it works is if you begin where you are mm-hmm. and you begin the daily gratitude and you say okay carol you can't. I can't believe what a horrible day I had. Everything went wrong. The terrible mood, and I went to Spirit Rock, and the meeting went too long, and everybody was annoying, and da, da, da. and I was not. Unha- I was unhappy about it. And I was miserable, and da, 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 and if you go long enough, just where you are, you end up saying, and I'm so completely grateful to have you at the other end of this email, so that I can absolutely tell you the truth about who I, you know, what's happening with me and know that you're not gonna publish it on the front page of the (laughs) Inquiring Mind or let everybody else know about it, (laughs) and that you will not hold me in a bad esteem for that, and that you love me no matter what. If you start from where you are, you don't have to kill yourself to make up a gratitude. You start from where you are, and it comes out grateful for someone who's listening to you. So that's actually, Mm -hmm. I think, the heart of gratitude practice. Mm -hmm. Someone was gonna say something?
1: There you go. One, one thing, by the way, uh, Sokni Rinpoche uh, says, you know, gratitude is like having your a satellite dish out. Where you, if you're like this, oh, this is what's wrong, then then all the all the goodness can't get in. But if if you say, oh, thank you, you, you can take in all the blessings around. You start to tune into them. So, sorry. Here, once you. Uh, Mm-hmm. That's okay. though no, it's very brief. Um, but other other people can hear it <laughs> <that. laughs> Yeah. It
0: it ha- it's, it's not personal, uh, but because I would wish that you might do the second practice. That was so valuable, and we can take it out into the daylight. Might we have time?
1: Maybe it depends how many questions. Okay. Well, wait a minute. How
0: many people need to leave at 11 o'clock? Absolutely need to leave at 11 o'clock, or how many people could stay a little bit?
1: Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm staying here, so, and okay. in fact, uh, I, I never, uh, this is the first time when I came in, I saw all those books out. I said, oh my goodness, this is like a, a book event.
0: Uh, it is a book event, and, and book I want and I have an agenda. Because I need to leave. I have a doctor's appointment in Berkeley, so I need to leave at 11. I'm going to leave James, leave. and but you take good care I'm, of him. But, but I, to <laughs> I have an agenda. You have not yet signed a book, right? Uh, no. I want this book signed to me from you <laughs> publicly <laughs> 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 now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So then we'll go on.
1: Will we have a sign-up sheet? Um, with putting our emails? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... That would be great. And also take uh, so there's loads of these uh, out by the books. Uh, just take one of these, and there's the, the website there. but, um, but please, I'd love, I love doing this with as many people as possible. So, um, and, so and the sign books up means that There are books, there are there. books right right at, yeah, there are books right there. and I think Spirit Rock was giving a They're giving a discount. discount. They're (laughs) giving, I think, what, a 20% discount? A 20% discount. Um, Yeah, they got a lot of books.
0: (laughs) And you can get the second signed book, but not the first signed book. So I'll
1: I'll be staying here and signing books. um,
0: And playing the guitar.
1: Okay. I
0: Hmm? I will. Can I invite these people to come back on the 30th?
1: Oh, please. The 30th is going to be fun. This is. Uh, like this wasn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, you had to oh, suffer okay. through this. The 30th, there's a Donna Day. It's uh, available. No, no charge. You can just offer what you want on uh, celebrating the book. And I'm gonna have all my, uh, my friends and presenters from the course, Sylvia's gonna be there, and, uh, and Wes Nisker, and Rick, ha- Rick Hansen, and Rick Foster and Greg Hicks, from How We Choose to Be Happy, and Anam Tupton Rinpoche, who's fantastic, and Betsy Rose, and Eve Decker, and Jennifer Berezin. Uh, and oh, wow. I want them all to, uh, to talk about happiness for them. We'll do practice, and Shoshana is gonna be there. And uh, it's going to be here at Spear Rock. Is it up on the hill, or is that it? No, there's a retreat going on. It'll be here okay. on January 30th. It's in the, uh, it's in the Spear Rock newsletter. Uh, Do people well. have to sign up? Uh, they, at this point, no, but I was thinking that they may be. I think pre- you should, uh, because there are
0: 100 <coughs> people know, here, and they'll know, fill know, it up. So I know.
1: So I, know. So yeah. I, I was going to speak with Marianne about that. It's going to be f- and fun, and singing, too. So uh, On the 30th, 9.30 to 5. Yeah,
0: so. Come, it'll be a great day. Come even if you don't get in, if they say it's closed. (laughs) Park in Woodacre and walk in. That's the secret. (laughs) I shouldn't have told them that, huh? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) A (laughs) joy revolution.
1: God forbid.
0: Well, I thought that since next week I'll be back on Wednesday and then I'll be gone for two Wednesdays and then back all of February. Next week I'll come back with the book and we'll do some more exercises from the book. So I'll uh, carry on in the spirit. Would you double check your schedule? Because Donald said you're all January he's all February. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. March, so yeah. make sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Donald changed it again. All right, then I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Are you Don't back? Check. I am, but no, not actually. Okay.
1: Can, can you come late to that day? Yeah, uh, because I'm going to Who will know? You know <laughs> I, uh, I, I was always I was a school teacher, and I, I used to say, you know, as far as chewing gum, as long as I don't know, you know, you do what you do. Can I ask content question? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And um, so there's sort of that issue. OK. And, um, and then I'm just sort of curious about your thoughts of people who deal with mental illness. Who deal with? Chronic mental illness, uh-huh. or like depression, anxiety. Yeah. So that, working with this idea of choosing happiness. Yeah. OK, good, good question. Could everybody, wow, could everybody cool. here? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm glad you bring it up, because um, one of the things that I, I mentioned here uh, in the beginning it's what if I'm not a joyful person and you know isn't it uh, I talk about the kumbaya factor as somebody said you know give me a, mm-hmm. give me a break there's a whole the world is on fire here and you're talking about you know just being happy first of all um, truly happy people are not happy all the time they don't, they're not having a smiley smile on their face truly happy people are engaged, are authentic, are connected, and are able to hold all of the sorrows in a way without getting, uh, without getting overwhelmed by them, but are learning every moment counts. So true happiness and joy is about, stems from authenticity of being right where you are, like Sylvie was saying with the gratitude email. As far as being with what is and, and choosing, choosing a way towards greater well-being, it's not changing where you are, it's looking at your relationship to what is because the circumstances are often out of our control but how we relate to the circumstances how we relate just this is basic and this is one of the main themes in the book this is basic buddha dharma when you are feeling anger the mindfulness of the anger is not angry and so it's it's being the awareness of fear is not afraid so it's being uh, able to access the awareness that can hold anything and it's choosing the wisdom, uh, bringing wisdom that can see whatever predicament you're in and not trying to change anything but just holding it with a very kind awareness. That's a, that's a short uh, answer on it. It goes more, more deeply into that. Uh, and as far as people who are going through uh, chronic mental illness, you know, it, this is, it, it, not everybody can be there. and Not everybody can... Can see that that spaciousness and that uh, that um, perspective, and so it's not that you can you can make anyone feel other than they're feeling, but almost everybody can respond to love. Mm-hmm. Mo- almost everybody can respond to caring, and if you keep on looking for that place inside where that that person wants to feel safe, wants to feel okay with just who they are, wants to feel that they're worthy of love, then you'll have a greater possibility of, of having, helping them access that place inside as well. Yeah. I am gonna say,
0: before I leave, yeah. wait, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna, okay. leave. I'm gonna abandon a, we'll you with all these people. do a song, we'll do one song. You stay and them. do the song. Yeah. I want uh, to give you, on, on behalf of all of us, a collective blessing that you thrive with this as you go around here and there and that you have a wonderful time teaching this to a lot of people and that you and the book serve many people and make a big difference in the world, in a world, as you said, that's in a lot of trouble now and needs a lot of help, that this may be a genuine big component Mm -hmm. in the changing of the world and in the turning of the intention in the world to the good and may you thrive, and may the merit of the work that you have done and will do for it be for the benefit of all beings everywhere. Mm.
1: Thank you. And I love you. Thank you so much. I love you, Sylvia. Thank you you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.